All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's fucking do this. Uh, must um, we? Must we do this? I uh, would like to thank uh, the Heathens uh, with their cover of Motorhead's classic Hellraiser uh, for playing us in off of the uh, Horror Hound Records compilation. Uh, it's only a movie. And I... Uh, <sighs> uh, I, I think that's cool. <laughs> they did that. Um... Oh, it's still playing. So. Yep. I'm sure this will be worth the setup. <laughs> There's that setup. I'm just trying to think of how to put this. Um, We watched, uh, we just watched um, Hellraiser Judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would be angry if it wasn't so appropriate. Yeah. What an awful, awful thing to have happened. Yeah. I wanted it to be so good. I wanted it so badly to be good. It should I, uh, have been good. It was my time. God damn it. <laughs> it's their time up there. <laughs> When's it going to be my time? When, Lord? When? Um. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. the last one of these that we did was uh, uh was a uh, Ravager. Yeah, and I'm hoping that it doesn't continue that a new film from a franchise that we love ends up this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've only done this with a few movies. The other one being Thirty One, which also wasn't great. Yeah, I forgot we did this with Thirty One. Yeah. That's that's uh, how right. bad that was. Yeah. Uh, boy. Um, okay, where to start? We watched this movie t- completely sober. We did. So that had no bearing on it. Yeah. We're no longer completely sober. Um, I approached going into this movie uh, with an open mind and an open heart. I yeah. didn't have... Uh, I did, there were no, um, oh, what do you call it? I wasn't like overhyped and I wasn't like undersold. Sure. Like I went right down the middle into this movie and uh, Gary J. Tunnicliffe directed this film. Sure. And he's a guy who's been associated with Hellraiser since part three. Oh, okay. Um, all the way through, I believe, Hellworld. Uh, and he wrote. Um, revelations Mm. so that should have probably told us something probably i'm not sure why that was never really advertised or talked about in the lead up to this i mean by fans of putting two and two (laughs) together and being like hang on guys (laughs) this is the guy who wrote (laughs) revelations um he he is primarily uh, known as a makeup artist uh makeup effects guy and i've liked a lot of his work in that field. Sure. Uh, the Feast films, The Collector. Oh, he did um, The Collector? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's done a lot of really good work. Uh, the uh, Piranha remakes. Hmm. 
Um, There's going to be a lot of sighing on this episode. It really is. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to begin. It's there start, are things um, that I liked about this movie. Sure. In the spirit of our podcast. Right. This is not going to be a complete condemnation. Hopefully. Um it started out all right. Sure. Yeah. Dan Harmon was in it. <laughs> um, spoilers, by the way, we'll put this in parentheses and caps uh, on the on the actual episode name. But like, if you haven't watched Hellraiser Judgment and don't want it spoiled, uh, then be forewarned. Yeah. So just stop listening and then come back when you're done. Um. I think the the majority of the budget of this movie went to Edison style light bulbs because <laughs> uh, there were a lot. There sure were. I love that style of light bulb. Sure, pro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one. There's like two more. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we meet this guy that looks like Dan Harmon, <laughs> and he's um, something's wrong. And he's all disheveled and grubby. And he receives an anonymous envelope containing a typed letter that says, Hey, we know what's up with you. We're here to help. Come to this address. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind me. I'm just getting my mustache caught in the tab of my uh, monster. That was hilarious. (laughs) Would you rather talk about Emperor's New Groove? You watched that recently, right? I would, actually. No, no. See, here's the thing. The reason we need to talk about this movie is twofold. One, because we fucking watched it for this. Yeah. And two, because people need to know. <laughs> they need to have an idea they of what they're getting into. They need to know about Ian's uh, new favorite Hellraiser film. <laughs> uh, so this guy's like, uh, and it's signed, you know, you're a friend or whatever uh, with an address and it says go here. So he goes there and it's this like condemned house. And um, we're uh, he's like blacks out, wakes up, and he's tied to a wheelchair. And we meet the um, auditor, mm. played by Gary J. Tunnicliffe. And I, what I will say about Gary J. Tunnicliffe is that this is where he shines. Right. I loved this character. Sure. Yeah, I dug it. Um, I've wanted long. I've longed for. More uh, principal Hellraiser Cenobite related characters mm. with speaking roles. Yeah. And this character is great at that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's a Cenobite necessarily. I feel like he's like a clerk for the Cenobites. Yeah. So, and I'm a big fan of contraptions in film, mm. and they had one. They did. The typewriter that the auditor was using is this mm-hmm. contraption uh, that ends up running. The ink comes from you, from whoever he's auditing. There, there are tubes going into Dan Harmon and extracting blood, and the auditor is asking for this guy to, you know, give his statement about dastardly events from his past. And then the auditor will type it up in blood on this typewriter 
and the guy opens up and is honest about being a pedophile and all this horrible shit that he's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, the auditor uh, takes out the pages and says, cool, the assessor will be with you shortly. It's all very, like, uh, stuffy. like mm, Business um, as usual. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm kind of okay at this point. Sure. There's a new mythology that apparently is being introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it that I f- hmm. <laughs> I feel like Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Um, there were two ways he could go with that. He could build the mythology from the ground up as we went through the movie, or he could just hit you in the face with it off the top and then slowly drop. Hence, throughout. Right. And he went with the second one. So, because we see the whole, <coughs> we see the whole operation. Uh, the assessor comes in and he is played by John Gulliger, hmm. who is awesome. Right. <laughs> Clue Gulliger's son, <clears throat> director of the uh, Feast films and uh, Piranha 3 Double D. <laughs> and just an all around weird fucking dude. Um, if you if you ever saw, I think it was the second or third whatever season of project Greenlight they made feast during. yeah if you haven't watched it watch it Gulliger wins the chance to make feast and right. it's just he's such a strange and bizarre person um it's well worth watching but anyway he comes in and he uh then eats the pages right uh, and there's a lot of like ceremony to all or not a lot but like an amount of ceremony given to each of these things that I appreciated. Yeah. You know, he comes on in with like an old school lunch pail type of thing and opens it and pulls out, puts out a, a plate and a knife and a fork and then puts the pages on the plate and then starts cutting them and, and literally eating the pages. Well, there's an extra ingredient too. Oh yeah. The condiment. <laughs> yeah. That I did. That was a little overboard. I thought, yeah, he pulls out a, a vial uh, with a cork in it. And opens it and starts sprinkling on the pages and looks into camera, uh, essentially, and says, baby tears. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, he then regurgitates what he has eaten, uh, literally regurgitates, into a funnel mm-hmm. uh, on the wall. We're not going to go moment by moment in this movie. I just want to give you the starting right. thing. And uh, it's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking gross. It's what you would think paper pulp vomit would look like. Yeah. Um, and uh, that then goes through a funnel system uh, to the jury, mm. which are these three uh, hot ladies with uh, decimated faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they're nude. Or they're nude. <laughs> Not yeah. Otherwise, they're they're, they're nude. But they're, <laughs> other than their uh, fucked up faces, they're nude. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the prosthetics. Right. Like, technically, um, and uh, so the 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 regurgitated uh, uh, um, uh, admissions of guilt mm. pour into a trough in front of these three nude women. Uh, several points in this movie, there were things that were being set up that I was like, what is happening? What's going to happen? <laughs> right. Don't let the, no, cause it could have gone to some much darker, gross places. Yep. 
it all comes through the tube into a trough, and the three women put their hands in and decide whether the person is guilty or innocent. And that's mm. how the jury works. And that's how, really, the jury system works in America today. Right. Um, justice for Trayvon. Um, free the West Memphis Three. Again. Refree them. Anyway, uh, so he's found guilty. And then uh, the the uh, the auditor comes in and says, you've been found guilty. You're not going to be cleaned. Uh, so then he, he wakes up, the, the, the victim then wakes up again, tied to a table, and three more nude women, less attractive, older, I would say, yeah. um, come in and begin cleaning the guy. Which, they don't show you the full effect of the quote-unquote cleaning right. until the second guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> You're led to believe some more dastardly shit is going on than what actually happens. Yeah. Well, yes, but also probably the part of the movie that grossed me out the most. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then they leave, and then the butcher comes in. Uh, who's wearing a baby mask. It looks like a creature out of a video game. Like, like a Silent, Silent Hill, Hill or something, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he doesn't do anything. Right. Right? He just comes in, uh-huh. he bangs on the table, and then he turns around, and from his back springs the surgeon. Uh, these two characters, I feel, should should have been more developed. Hmm. Like we said, the the butcher looked like a Silent Hill guy and then the 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 surgeon looked like just a t- like a bondage guy like yeah. there was like a latex glass gas mask and i don't know just, i feel like he put a lot of thought into the assessor and the uh right the uh auditor and then he was just like and to the some extent the jury yeah and then he was just like oh then there's two more and they look whatever just do whatever what do we have left over a gas mask cool right um, so then he comes in and essentially flays the guy. And then the blood of the guy, the, the, the three members of the jury, I believe it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Kneel at the side of the table. And there are these spouts that come out of the side of the table and, and douse them all in, in the blood of the victim. Mm-hmm. I assume. At that point, I don't know what happens. Nope. To the guy. No idea. Um, is he then like primed to become the next Cenobite? Is he just cast into hell? Is he? Uh, is he writing another season of Community? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. So then the credits open. The opening credits roll. Not yeah. roll. Whatever. The opening credits happen, and I thought they were clever at first. And then it got really old because it didn't change at all. Right. The credits are like typed on the typewriter and then they're like juxtaposed against a bunch of Edison light bulbs. Right. And uh, so that's the opening credits. Up to this point, pretty good. I am still completely open to this film at this point. Sure. I'm into what is going on. Who are these new characters? Yeah. When did this become a thing? Is, is this how it's always happened and they've just cut it out <laughs> of all the films? <clears throat> well, there is a bit of a preamble where it, 
I I won't say I'm led to believe because this movie leads you nowhere. <laughs> um, but I will say the two and two that I put together in my head is that times have gotten tough for uh, the Hell Priest and the uh. Cenobites. And he has he in uh, in conjunction with heaven, I assume, uh, have put together this system of where they don't really have to deal with the puzzle box anymore. Right. Um. So he's put together this like office, <laughs> essentially this courthouse, and uh, assigned all these roles. Who I'm assuming, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> either victims of his from the past, or new Cenobites were created. I'm still kind of fuzzy on that. Hey, at least the Chatterer was in it. <laughs> spoiler to the spoiler. Um, <sighs> I I will say this before we get too deep into it. None of my complaints about this movie are what most of the complaints that I've seen have been. Right. Um, I look. Yeah, I want Doug Bradley as as the Hell Priest. Sure. Everyone does. Right. But it's not it didn't happen. Right. And we just have to deal with that. And we have to realize that this guy um did a far better job than the guy from uh, Revelations. Uh, is valid. Absolutely. This, this guy was not bad. No. As uh as uh Paul T. Taylor is his name. Hmm. Um, like you said, I think you put it perfectly. He was a, a very serviceable pinhead. Yeah. And I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get over your, um, being butt hurt that it's not Doug Bradley and give the guy a shot. Yeah. He isn't bad in a, in a stronger Hellraiser film. I would have really dug this guy. Yeah. Uh, also complaints I've seen is that they, uh, the Cenobites aren't shown much. Which I am not certain how that can be a complaint because they they're never shown right. That mu- that's part of the mystique, right? Like to which I would say, have you seen the first Hellraiser? Right. Like, um, <clears throat> also they are in it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Pinhead is in it quite a bit more than I was led to believe. Yeah. Um, although a lot of that does consist of cutaway shots of him sitting in a chair. Right. And it's the same shot <laughs> that's shown. At least twice. I think maybe three times. It's so bizarre. It just comes yeah. out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, oh, nope. And he Go, just uh, kind of leans back into his chair and has a pain look on his face, like like he has a headache or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. <sighs> Christ. <laughs> so uh, y- you introduce us to our main characters now, Ian, if you would, uh, please. Well, one of them's a Dickens fan. <laughs> Are you sure? He likes them them reading books. And his uh but he's he's, al- a, he's also a bad boy. But he's also a cop on the edge. <laughs> he he a, doesn't play by the rules. He is a cop on the edge. You hand him a book of rules, you throw it on the ground, not even read it. If it's not Dickens or the Bible. <laughs> uh and then his Younger partner, who you find later, is his brother. Ah, he's really more of a more of a non-reader. It causes some friction. <laughs> more of a non-reader. 
so the whole thing is, is there are these cops that are trying to find a serial killer uh, who is a full-on seven ripoff. Um, <clears throat> and... Called the Preceptor, I yes. think. Yeah. Yeah. And if any of you know your Dickens or your Bible, you've already put two and two together. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, the younger brother cop looks like uh, a generic version of uh, Detective Gordon from Gotham. Hmm. Yeah. Or uh, he looks like what... A modern version of the guy that your main, the character from uh, L.A. Noir was based on. If anybody has ever played that, okay, terrible, yeah, Just terrible. <laughs> um, th- this one of my major problems with this movie is the acting. Yeah, it's very bad. It's very bad. It's very very bad. It is very bad. I cannot stress it enough. Uh, line delivery is. Uh, Hmm. Is uh, stale. Yeah. Flaccid, even. Everything <laughs> sounds like a line. Yeah. A. Uh, I just. I don't know what Gary J. Tonicliffe was thinking. Yeah. Uh, he is not a good director. No. I'm sorry, Gary J. Tonicliffe. I want to go back after we do this episode and just count how many times you say his full name. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's if someone has an initial in their middle name, uh-huh. you're meant to say the full thing every time you say it. Yeah. So, uh, look, I think you are a really great makeup effects guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And that's... I'm staying positive with you, Mr. Gary, J. Tonicliffe. Um, so... Uh, so much reference to Charles Dickens in this movie. Yeah. And um, only one book of Charles Dixon, Dickens, by the way. <laughs> well, they make a Scrooge reference. Ah, uh, they Christmas do. Carol okay. reference. No, that's true. And didn't you, he... you know what? I'm coming around to this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> Did Dickens do the Bible? Was that him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. So, okay. What can, people are getting <laughs> killed. Uh, you're the, you were, we're introduced to a uh, horrible bitch of a character that you can't wait to die. Uh, this uh, this young blonde chick who comes into her like crazy expensive apartment. Yeah, and is just bitching because she thinks some guy that she knows has come over to fuck because the door was unlocked or something. None of this matters. Right? She gets fucking murdered. She does. She gets mortalized. Uh, and then our two heroes uh, come in uh, to uh, assess the crime scene. Yeah. Where we meet our third, our, uh, not, not ingenue, our... Uh, Maya Angelou? <laughs> I know <laughs> why the caged bird sings. It's not uh, a bad Maya Angelou. That's not bad. <clears throat> um, our... Uh, Female lead, I guess. Whatever. Uh, she's a, she's a peer to these two guys. Heather Langenkamp? <laughs> no. Oh, Heather <laughs> Langenkamp is amazing in this film. If anyone's like a fan, I know there are people that are like, like, what? Thanks for turning the power back on for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, huh. I know there are people who are like diehard Heather Langenkamp fans. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I think she's great, but I wouldn't yeah. say that I'm like a Heather Langenkamp like fanatic, like psycho right. person. I've seen you people at cons, <laughs> and I fear for her safety. Yeah, um, I saw a new nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I was, I was, I was filled with pleasure when I saw that she was in the movie. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, cool. Um, all right, that's interesting because especially since when I was a kid, I used to get her and uh, Ashley Lawrence kind of mixed up every now mm. and then. Um, I thought, well, that, that'll help with that, <laughs> to put her in a Hellraiser movie. Um, if you're if you're like, oh, I should watch that because Heather Langenkamp is in it. Don't bother. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. We will. But, but don't bother. Yeah. Um, it was a horrible, horrible uh, selling point that they like uh, lied about, essentially. Uh. Um, so the they, they start hearing something. On this dead body, and it starts. The tummy starts moving. This is where this movie started to lose me. <laughs> so they lift up her shirt, and there's stitches in her tum tum. Uh, yeah. And it's moving. It's a moving. And that baby kicking. And uh, the female lead goes. This is another problem I had. Almost everything in this movie was telegraphed. Oh, like they couldn't just let it happen. Yeah. Just yeah. let it fucking happen. Yeah. I hadn't, but I guarantee if I had been high or another, a different like member of the audience in this film, I would have forgotten about the dog probably. Yeah. Because she only mentions the dog <clears throat> when she comes in before she's killed. She's like, right. dog, are you there? Dog, dog, right. clunk, and then she's dead. And then like several minutes go by, and now this is happening. And in a, in a right mindset... They would have pulled a dog out of her tummy, and I would have been like, oh, shit, the dog. Right. But I didn't get to have that moment. Gary J. Tunnicliffe stole this <laughs> moment from me uh, by right before the tummy bursts, having the, the, the female lead cop go, has anyone seen her dog? <gasps> and then it's no surprise, a fucking dog comes out of her tummy. And it's gross. And it's, it is gross. It's like, yeah. If you're looking for gross, this movie's got you. Yeah. If you don't care about the franchise or anything and you're just looking for kind of a gross movie, like if you like Human Centipede 2. Oh, God. Or uh, like Murder Set Pieces, if you're one of those people. Those people scare me. <laughs> Have you seen Murder Set Pieces? No. Ugh. There's a certain type of horror fan that if they're like, dude, I love Murder Set Pieces, I kind of fear Do a I, little bit. What is it? It's just gross. It's just a gross, gross indie movie. Okay. Um, they're a grosser, but for some reason, Murder Set Pieces is uh, like my go-to for it. Or the guinea pig movies, like American Guinea Pig Ugh. and shit like that. Yeah. People who are like, those are my favorite, are like, I'm kind of like, okay. It was good meeting you, dude. Good meeting. <laughs> right, I gotta, right. gotta go. Um, so, yeah, the dog comes out of the tummy, and then, um, then what happens after that? Some stuff. Yeah, it's, I don't even remember. There was so much boring shit yeah. in between the story. Of, I mean, I will give him this. A good deal of the boring shit that I didn't think was going to matter ended up kind of mattering. Yeah. I'll give him that. I'll, I will give Gary J. Tunnicliffe <laughs> that. Um, oh, you find out that uh, the, the Dickens cop um, has, some, has some marital issues. You know, he used to date a girl he called Tale of Two Cities. Yeah? Yeah, you know why? Why is that? You should read Dickens, <laughs> Tale of Two Cities, and you'll find out. 
<sighs> or more appropriately, read the first two lines. Right. <laughs> and then you're good. Oh, it man. is the best-selling work of fiction. Of all time. Of all time. I don't think that's... It can't be true. <laughs> I don't think that so either. It can't be true. No, it is not. Uh, I'm trying to maintain some semblance of calm... <clears throat> That's the main reason why we smoked beforehand. It's it true. It wasn't even like, hey, we should get high like we always do. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, we need to get high or else this is going to be a bitch fest. So true. Which it kind of will be anyway, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, so then uh, is this this is the point where the the guy they go back to the uh, quote-unquote police station. <laughs> yeah. That from the outside looks like a police station, and from the inside looks like a double wide at a fucking like uh, building site where the fucking boss is. Wood paneling, just so yeah. weird. And I love wood paneling. Don't sure. get me wrong, but it just doesn't. I, what is happening here? So then uh, the cop is like the bad boy cop who loves Chaucer or uh, Dickens <laughs> is like. Uh, all right, good work today, guys. I gotta go home. It's my wife's birthday, so he sulks home. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when he gets home, he opens the door, and we get a shot uh, of him walking in the door, like, right from how, the interior perspective. And he takes his coat off and he goes to hang it up, and they show you a shot of the coat rack, and above the coat rack is like a big framed picture of him in combat. You yeah. Know? Like in fatigues or whatever, right? To show you that he has seen some shit, foreshadowing. But like, I know a lot of vets, uh, yeah. especially like Vietnam vets, like family members and stuff. And I don't know any of them that have like a photo of themselves, like largely prominently displayed right when you walk in the house. It was just—it seemed like a very strange place to like oh. <laughs> do like a pan of like the. The table or something. I mean, like, it, oh, there's a picture of him. Especially with there. the placement, too. It's like, what vet who's seen combat wants to, like, walk in and turn to his left and see, <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah. At, at head level uh, picture of a guy in fatigue. I fatigues. need to always be reminded. <sighs> I've seen some shit. So uh, then we get his perspective, and it's he's late, and the wife is drunk, and yeah. the cake is eaten, and she's pissed. And, oh, man, it's just not good times for him. I said we weren't going to go through this piece by piece, but we kind of are. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, But I'm fuzzy. and We just watched this movie, and I'm fuzzy on what happened. So then he's like, oh, sorry. And <laughs> she's like, nah. And then the, the, the next day they go to a crime scene at a par- like a school park. Right. Where there's a, uh, like a... It was like from Dexter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bunch of hands like cut off and propped up in a circle with something in the middle. Or what was it? I can't uh, remember. Big jars of blood. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Whatever. And uh, they're like, <laughs> it's so funny. They're like, <laughs> I don't know if this is the exact dialogue, but it, it turned out this way. Why do you think he did this? Who were these people? <laughs> just kind of sit there and then one of them notices huge painted on a fence right in front of them thieves my god uh with the like pictures of the people i guess yeah uh it was just so funny it was just this huge sign 
And they're like, well, who were these people? <laughs> this is oh, awful. Awful. Uh, so then they pry open one of the hands and there's a tooth and an eyeball. Kind of like. And we get it. And that's enough. We get it. But the queen of not letting us have our moment, the fucking uh, <laughs> Gary J. Tonicliffe, is the queen. <laughs> the queen of um, wet blanketness. <laughs> she says. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah. And your mind is fucking blown. (laughs) And I think I turned to Ian at this point. I was like, you think they got a bunch of little puppies in the hand tummies? (laughs) And he was like, no, man. She didn't say nothing about no dog this time. It's true. Like, all right, all right. I bought Jerry Jerry, Jerry Cunnicliffe. Really doesn't know how to work a movie. I'm sorry for people that like loved this movie or liked it. I know our friend Steven. He kind of gave me a little hope. Uh, yeah. He went on Facebook and defended it. Like I said, we will go over some higher spots. We're just kind of plowing through the <laughs> muck at this point. We'll get there. Um, Because I feel, I think kind of like Steven does, uh, I think Hellraiser fans are oftentimes some of the most pretentious horror fans they are. There are. <laughs> they feel like if you're if they're a fan of original Hellraiser, that somehow they're more literate, right, and poetic, right. and like oh, the whole the, Clive Barker thing, right? Oh, that uh, that little uh, camp counselor murder movie right. is cute, yeah, so simple, right? Um, Which it is, uh, but, yeah. You know. But uh, and I think the majority of people that shit on every sequel since Part Two, we'll say, yeah. Um, are those kind of people? Right. Just, look, I'm a guy who enjoyed Hell World. Right. Like no one enjoyed Hell World. I thought it was kind of clever, <laughs> especially for the time. Right. Like uh, computer gaming and shit like that was kind of new and in the you know we watch it now and it's incredibly dated. But right. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting uh, Jason goes to Hell Halloween three type of sure. idea. Um. Anyway, uh, so. Their hands. Uh, Somehow, it wasn't really explained very well. They think they have a lead on the culprit because of shit they find <laughs> right. at that scene. I mean, it's really not well explained. Yeah, no, it isn't. Like, there's some real stretching going on in that scene. Um, oh, well, I think it's while they're at the uh, at the second crime scene. Uh, either they get a phone call or, again, the... <laughs> they, they decide, hey man the medical examiner uh, and we'll get to him uh, the medical examiner called and uh, that first victim they found her cell phone in her throat and like wow alright uh, cool uh, they also her mouth was also full of silver huh we get it but they just can't let the audience fucking get it so the queen again comes in and says Born with a silver spoon in her mouth. What? I hate this so much. Uh, Just let some things lie. Let us figure out some shit, man. Yeah. God damn. Um. So, so that that's how they get the break. Right. Is the cell phone. Right. Because then they go to the medical examiner. I'm skipping over some shit, I'm pretty sure. But we they go to the medical examiner, who is... Such a medical oh, examiner. Oh, no, this is this is near the end. We don't see the medical examiner until the end 
when they find where the serial killer actually is. Oh. Wait, so how did... See, uh, oh, that's right. The uh, They make yeah, some kind of connection that's right. with between this guy and the school. Yeah, well, the the guy, uh, I, I believe who they're talking about is the guy from the beginning, the yes. first victim mm-hmm. that we see. Yeah. Yeah, they make a connection. Like Hampton or something, I think. Yeah, Carl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the uh, bad boy cop goes alone. No, no. No? We're skipping still. Are we? Yeah. We'll fucking chime in, dude. <laughs> so... You have a voice. So, Use it. So they go uh, to his last known residence, which is where Ms. Langenkamp Oh, that's up. right. That's right. Blink if you miss her. Heather Langenkamp as the landlady. I didn't even realize it was her at first. She, Yeah, and I remember I said, wow, she's, Heather Langenkamp's looking rough. And, and you were like, <laughs> like, yeah, right, where is she? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely had that moment. Yeah. And I will say I got to think that was makeup cuz I saw I've seen Heather Langenkamp fairly recently and, yeah. and she looks great. She's aged yeah. wonderfully. Um I've I failed miserably at taking a picture for Jenna <laughs> uh at a con a couple of years ago yeah. with Heather Langenkamp. Um but uh all of two lines, three lines maybe? Yeah. He owes me rent. He's not home. He owes me rent. So Ladies know, and gentlemen. Being <laughs> a cocksucker, I'm pretty sure, was in there. Yeah. And so, yeah. So they look around, and they go back to the uh, to their double-wide office. Oh, and then the bad boy cop goes back alone. And the bad boy cop goes back alone, yeah. opens the door to oh, the- That's right, because he's <laughs> like... I'm like, at the end of that scene, I'm like, well, I really hope that's not all of Heather Langenkamp because that is false advertising. And uh, you were like, eh, it's probably it. And then we go to the next scene and the guy says, hey, I'm going to go check out the fucking apartment again. Right. And the his the younger brother goes, hey, be sure to tell that landlady I said hi. And the older brother says, uh, I'll get her number for you. And right. Like, oh, maybe there is going to be more yeah. Heather Langenkamp. And then there isn't. He walks to the door. She's referenced. She's spoken to. Yells through the door, thanks for turning the power on for me. And that's it. No response. response. It's it's so uh, like high school theater looking like (laughs) offset. Oh, it's so bad. So then he decides to go through the pedo's uh, computer (laughs) and goes to MapQuest, essentially, and is like, uh, sees the last place that he went. Yeah. And then very dramatically looks at his watch. Did you notice that he didn't just like, you know, do like the, like the watch was under his jacket sleeve. Right. Uh, so instead of just like moving, like, you know, just looking at your watch like you do with the jacket sleeve, he like right. uses his other hand to very dramatically pull back the leather. Like it's a reveal. I know this is nitpicking, guys, but it's just, this. these are the little moments that added up to the irritation of this film. Yeah. So he goes to investigate. Yeah. And lo and behold, the address is the address where the guy went, where he met where the Dan auditor. Where Dan Harmon went. Yeah, where he met the auditor and the assessor and the jury and the butcher and the candlestick maker and all the guys went to Narnia. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I might be mixing up movies. So he, like, knocks on the door and it opens. Yeah. And then music starts playing and he blacks out. 
Yeah. And he comes to, and he's tied to the wheelchair. Like, same thing that we saw with the pedophile guy. Yeah. And the uh, the auditor is there. Yeah. Which, I'm having a real love-hate relationship with this guy, because I know under all that makeup, it's the guy responsible for this fucking pile of... Right. But on top of the makeup, he's doing a good job. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Again, Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Really great special effects makeup guy. Uh-huh. In this Fine anyway, actor, good apparently. Actor. Yeah. Really, really, really like this character. Um, but I'm kind of a sucker for that guy, like the Grand Moff Tarkin, like the, <laughs> right, the, right. the bad guy beside the bad guy, you <laughs> right. know? Uh, so I just made a Star Wars reference. Jesus. Ah, you must be high. Oof. Ugh. Oof. Oof. So, uh, we're like, oh, okay. Shit's kind of picking up, right? It's been a little slow right. since that first scene and shit's not picking up. And, uh, the auditor... He starts asking some, like, non-normal, quite like, normal people, like, who are you? What am I doing here? Blah, blah, right. blah. And he's, like, asking some questions that are different than that. And right. the auditor's like, oh, all right, let's entertain this he's a little bit. kind of like, where's the chase and how do I cut to it? Right, yeah. <laughs> and we see in the background the uh, Dybbuk boxes, the uh, Lament boxes, uh, yeah. the, the configuration, if you will. Right. Uh, a bunch of them, like yeah. on a mantle, just kind of sitting there collecting dust. Which I will say... Um, I liked that touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that they don't have to use them anymore. They're, right. or, I'm sure they would still rather, but they, you know, whatever. Right. But they still have them there, and they're just kind of show pieces <laughs> or whatever. <clears throat> so he's like, "What the fuck are those?" Yeah, and the otter's like, "Oh, pleasure and pain <laughs> and all this shit." And uh, he's like, "Cool." <laughs> And <laughs> groovy. And then the otter's like, "Tell me about all the people you've killed in war." Right. And he's like, all right. And then he does. And it's like long, like right. it's pages. Like the pedophile guy was like two or three pages. And uh, bad boy cop is like many pages. Yeah. And the otter's like, oh, the assessor is going to have a field day with this. This is such a big meal for him. Uh, so he, here you go. Enjoy yep. the assessor. So the John Cooliger hopes in again. I swear to God, I could play this guy. It's terrible. <laughs> um, and he's like, <laughs> John Cooliger is not a great actor. I think John Cooliger is a great director. And, yeah. And, and and kind of the opposite of Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Um, I get what he was trying to do, but he kind of overboarded it a little bit. And again, this bit. is me being a stickler and all this, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, so he's like, he like makes it known that he's like, ooh, <laughs> B- big meal. This is going to be great. And he like shoves a few pages in and starts choking. Yeah. And shit's not going right. And, uh, like, spits the paper out and starts, like, black shit starts coming out. So he runs over to the the faucet, or the, you know, the funnel, and blows tar into it. Yeah. And then, like, collapses. And the, uh, the auditor comes in and is like, what the fuck did you do? What is happening here? Yeah. Goes to the next room where the jury is. And they're freaking out. They have their hands in it, and they're like, oh, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Uh, so he's like, he goes back in, and he's like, whatever, you're getting prepared to be cleaned. Yeah. Anyway, like, no, no the jury didn't come back with a verdict, but fuck this, you're getting cleaned. <laughs> and then... Some shit that don't make no sense um, happens. A mm. terrible representation of an angel <coughs> shows up. 
Yep. Like, we, we get it. They're from heaven because it's really <laughs> bright white light. Got it. And you're wearing white and you have yeah. blonde hair. Yeah. And you're quote unquote pretty. It looks like what an angel, like if they did an episode of that 70s show with an angel in it. Yeah. Like that's, it looks that obvious. Sure. Like the only thing missing is like the the Corey Feldman's angels like Halo like you know store bought Halloween costume angel right. thing. Um, so she's like, hey, no, let him go. It's yeah. not happening. Yeah, and we're kind of led to believe it's because like you know he's inflicted a lot of pain. He's done all this stuff, but but he's a good guy. Right, like, he's innocent. Yeah. Like you need to let him go. Yeah, which is a fine. Uh, lead sure to put us on mm-hmm. uh, and the artist's like god damn it Ugh, fuck so he goes in and interrupts the hell priest yeah uh, we get it didn't look great but it was it was nice to see the chatter yeah well in the first the first glimpse that you get at him yeah. in that scene was kind of cool yeah because it's real quick and <laughs> yes. chatter like gets in his face and penhead goes no and it's like no yeah Pinhead has like, a bit of like a bad, <laughs> bit of a different voice. In this right. one. He's like, "What do you want? <laughs> what? Uh, I got a lot of sights to show you over here." <laughs> no, his his voice was actually fine. Yeah. Uh, so the otter's like, "Dude, I'm sorry to bother you, but shit's going crazy in the other room." And uh, Pinhead's like, "All right, what's up? Show me." And he goes in. The otter's like, yeah, uh, fucking John Gulliger got choked, and the jury's all fucked up, and and then Angel Chick came down and was like, dude, let him go. Yeah. And Penhead's like, what'd you do? And he was like, well, I sent him to be cleaned. Anyway. Right. And then Penhead eats a bit of the paper. Yeah. And he's like, mm, pain, or whatever. And, oh! <laughs> How about you know the what notifications? That sound means? <laughs> I didn't know I still had that volume up, sorry. Uh, so, uh, and the auditor's like, dude, the chick from heaven was like, you gotta let him go. And Penhead's like, hmm, hmm, I don't know about this. While this is going on, we get to see the cleaning process. Which is gross. It is so gross. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even want to talk about what it is. Uh, mm. it's so fucking gross to watch. <laughs> so that's happening. And then he, the bad boy cop gets his hand free. And then we cut back to Pinhead and uh, the auditor, and uh, they're like, well, let's go. He's being yeah. clean. Let's go in there. So they walk in there, and the jury is out. <laughs> uh, and the, and he's gone. Uh. And the auditor's like, you got to go out there and get him. And Pinhead's like, nigga, please. Uh, nah. He's coming back. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> nah, son. <laughs> yeah. So, which... Is the first one of the first times like a villain in a horror movie, uh, like has some actual forethought, yeah, like that makes total sense, right? Like any other villain would be like, Yes, we have to release the hounds, let's right. go find this guy. But this guy's like, No, he's a cop, yeah, he found where we are, he's gonna come back, he's gonna come back. Why do we have to waste our fucking time and resources on this shit? I'm gonna go back in the empty room and sit in my chair. <laughs> if you need some cutaways, let me know. Peace. He's <laughs> got that chair with that lumbar support pillow, you know. <laughs> so the cop is uh, understandably shaken by what has happened. He done got shook, and uh, he goes home. 
And starts drinking. No. He takes his brother out first. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He uh yeah, he calls his brother uh and is like, Hey, meet me and the brother's like, All right and then he goes up and he's like and the cop chick the female cop is like, what, what's, what's up? He's like, Oh, um bad boy cop is having car problems. Uh and they're like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> so he meets him out by the old water tower mm. and uh bad boy cop's like, You got a flashlight? And the cop's like, Yeah. He's like, All right, get in, I'll drive. Don't really need to set up that he has a flashlight. I'll be fine with him just having a flashlight in the next scene. But whatever. Again, nitpicking. It's fine. Uh so they go to the house and they bust in. They do. And it's empty. It is. There's just rooms and there's like no evidence of any kind of anything, any of the crazy shit. That's and the younger on. brother makes like three different, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, real, real estate, estate jokes. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all fucking a stitch. So he's like, what's going on? And, and, and then it becomes a thing where it's like, we never talk. Right. And you don't you, ever look me in the eye when we, when we make love anymore. And you, the viewer, is like, where are the credits? So, all right, cool. He goes home. They both go home. Whatever. I guess they, I don't know. Bad boy cop goes home and starts drinking and then gets in bed with his wife. Yeah. Um, who's, I don't know how she's sleeping in that shirt. It's like it stops right above her tits. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not complaining. It was a cute shirt for sure. a chick to wear, but like, so he's like, I'm sad. And she's like, let's fuck. And so he's like, all right, cure your pr- depression with my vagina. So they start fucking. And then he starts having visions of these two gymnastics Cenobite chicks, which they were great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were a welcome addition. Yeah. Um, and it's freaking him out. Wait, he's asleep this whole time, actually, right? This is a dream. Like, the whole thing, the wife fucking him and everything. No. No? He had he had a dream about the Oh, and then the she wakes him up. The chatter. That's right. He wakes up screaming. Yeah. She tries to comfort him, and they end up fucking. Then he yeah. has visions again. Yeah, and then he can't deal with it, so he, like, throws her off and leaves. Yeah. And takes a bottle of something and just is wandering the streets drinking. Yeah. Uh... Oh, this is when he calls, and the younger cop is like, oh, he's having car trouble. Right. And he goes, and he's over at his house, blah, blah, blah. He's falling off the wagon. Things are tough all over. Time for a pep the best talk. of times. Oh, there's some foreshadowing here where the young brother cop goes, uh, you know, your wife's really worried about you. And then bad boy cop goes, yeah, you would know. Oh. Oh. Whoa. Oh, what? Hmm. Perhaps there will be a reveal later. <laughs> so, then what happens? Bad Boy Cop takes a shower. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Young Brother Cop is now, like, sees that he's got um, Tale of Two Cities out. Mm-hmm. Apparent looking like a first edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and opens it and gets the joke. Yeah. I used to date a girl I called Tale of Two Cities. Why? 
Because it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Waka, fucking Waka. Been there, brother. Um, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so then, is it a Bible that he opens, or is this also in Dickens? It was also in Dickens. It was also in Dickens, yeah. yeah. Uh, there are two lines highlighted. Yeah. I can't remember what the lines were. Like, this will be the age of darkness, something, something. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not what, a big it, Tom Sawyer fan. What you so. end up finding out is that these two lines are two lines that the preceptor used. Yeah. In uh, one of his letters or something. Whatever. So he's like, oh, shit. So he leaves and goes to the double wide uh, where female cop is. And he's like, hey, I think my older brother's the preceptor. And she's like, why? And he's like, "Uh, only because of the greatest selling work of fiction in history. (sighs) (laughs) So the older brother shows up and they're like, "Uh, we got to go do something. What were they going to do? They got another lead, I guess. Yeah. Because they, that's when they get a call from Hodgkins. The uh, uh, you remember the medical examiner? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the medical examiner. And that's when they go get the phone from him, find out oh, the last right, GPS right. location was in the phone. Okay, so they're they, they're like, we'll go, we'll go check out. Uh, what was his name? Hodgkins. Hodgkins. We'll go see what he wants. You stay here, and she's like, right on, and they leave and immediately. Oh, and they talked about this before. He's like, the younger cop is like, hey, I'm going to take him out, and then you research this shit. Right. And she's like, right. And then they leave, and immediately he texts her, find anything? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they go to the medical examiner, who probably the best character in the film. <laughs> the thing that... Well, a lot of things bother me about the medical examiner. One of the leading link was um, that was a perfect opportunity for a horror icon cameo. Sure. Bill Mosley would have been great. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and Sid Haig would have been great. Yeah. Um, Clive Barker would have been great. Doug Bradley. <laughs> oh. uh. Doug, we do have a part for you. <laughs> How do you feel about Hawaiian shirts? <laughs> So this was the most obvious uh, tropey medical exam. The only I told you, and the only thing he was missing was a sandwich. <laughs> he's wearing his scrubs, and over top of it is a loud Hawaiian shirt, and he's cracking wise. It's so it's I don't it, it, I don't know if there's a word for it. It's cringy. It's very cringy. And uh, he's like, "Yep, here's the the phone still works," and they're like, "Cool." What was the GPS? Like, where was her last location? Yeah. So he gives it to him, and it's this, uh, like, warehouse. So they go to, they do. to the warehouse. This is where you start really getting into the movie. Wait. I was wrong. No, bad boy cop and the girl, the That's female right. cop. Yeah. Go out to the medical examiner. And the young, and brother, stayed the young behind. brother stayed behind yeah. to research. <clears throat> That's it. Yep. And on the way, the female cop is like, "Huh, I wonder if the preceptor ever referenced Dickens." And the old bad boy cop is like, "He did two lines." Yeah. She's like, "Was that in your report?" And he's like, "No." Uh, and you, as the viewer, are like. <laughs> it's true. Um, 
It's as though this movie was written by someone who... I don't even know. Like, someone who doesn't understand subtlety. Right. And, like... Like, he's writing it for, like, a mentally challenged, like, 15-year-old. <laughs> or something. Where, like, all... Everything has to be, like, written out. Right. It's... Uh, tedious. Yeah. So they get down there, and it's like, oh, shit, this is the lair. Oh, man. Well, I will say, Bad Boy Cop did a fairly okay job, um, like, being gung-ho about, we gotta get in there. Yeah. You know, like, t- t- turns out, you already know this spoiler, this guy, he's the perceptor. Bad Boy oh. Cop is the perceptor. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, in this moment, I feel like, it, it was like the only moment where I was like, wait, maybe he's not. Cause he was like really into, yeah. we got to get in there. He pulled the whole, like you hear somebody screaming. I hear somebody screaming. Someone might be in trouble. We should go check it out. We don't need a warrant. R- yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, he wouldn't like, he wouldn't willingly in reality. You would just be like, all right, well, I guess we got to leave. Yeah. And then it takes hours to get a warrant. So then he's going to be like, I gotta go. And then he's, you know, whatever. Anyway. <clears throat> so they bust in. Yeah. And it's the layer of the Perceptor. Sure is. And they're like, fucking jackpot. Yeah. And there's uh, pictures of all the victims up and shit. And then there's one picture that's covered. <gasps> wonder what that is. I, wa- I wonder who took this picture. I do too. <laughs> there had to be a third person there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the, she pulls the thing off the... And it's a picture of... The younger brother cop fucking the bad boy cop's wife. Yeah. Oh, I get that reference earlier when he was like, you'd know. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Um, but the picture is from the perspective of a third party. Right. Because the, the, the young cop is like on his back. Right. And his head is up and he's like, got a look of like, no, don't take this picture. And the wife is riding his dick and she's like looking over her shoulder and has her hand up. Right. To like cover the picture. So who the fuck... Is this a known... Th- Wait, is this a known thing? Like, are we supposed to just know that... Like, in this... The, like, did the bad boy cop take that picture? Like, no. he, he caught them, and they both know it, and no. now that's why he's a dick? No, I don't think so. Right. It looked... From their reaction, it looked like it was a surprise that he knew. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um... I think it was just a poor editing choice. <laughs> they should have been like, hey, we should make this picture look like one of these two fuckers took it. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. So we're like, oh, fuck, he's the Perceptor. Yeah. He's the Percepticon. <laughs> oh, and also uh, the young cop has found, uh, what did he find out? Something about the word Perceptor. Yeah, it's uh, there's some something that uh, a, a bit of um, scripture that the older brother used. Yeah, like Ecclesiastes. That's from Ecclesiastes. Oh, by the way, this is the biggest fucking stretch ever. By the way, uh, oh Ecclesiastes, the translation of the translation is teacher, preacher, or <gasps> preceptor. Oh. Okay, now I get it. Do you? This was a good movie. Nope. So the younger brother's like, "How does he get down there? He does. Does he know where they don't even know where they? They call the me. 
I guess he may be called the the Emmy. Probably. And shows up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he knows that his brother. Right, yeah. yeah. He's like, dude, backup's on the way. And his brother's like, no, it's not. Yeah, you wouldn't call backup on your own brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a real striking distance moment. You ever see that movie? With Bruce Willis? Oh, yeah. That is a great movie. Yeah. Dennis Farina. <laughs> uh, fucking, what's his name? Um, Porthos. Oh, uh, Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt. That yeah. is a really good movie. Yeah. Should have watched that Oliver tonight. <laughs> we should have watched that. Um, so, yeah, so he's like, backup's not coming, but somebody is. <gasps> and then... Oh, by the way, before the younger cop got there, he, uh, older bad boy cop, knocks out the female cop. Yeah. And uh, he's like, somebody's coming now. And his wife walks in and is like, what? This is not Pottery Barn. (laughs) This is not Bed Bath or Beyond. Hey, what's up, (laughs) y'all? This is Beyond. (laughs) He's like, uh, oh, shit, what's up, y'all? Um, check out the picture. Now sit down and face each other. And uh, they do. Mm-hmm. And he goes over and he grabs the uh, Dybbuk box. Ah. Oh. Okay. And tosses it to him and says, open it. Hmm. Like, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm all right with this. I'm all right. Uh, in rapid time, record time, they open yeah. the box, and uh, the hell priest and the auditor walk in, mm. and uh, this is I, this is like probably the biggest scene I would say for Penhead. Yeah, and uh, he does well. Yeah, he does. Uh, it's 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 uh, Barkerian dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um. About pain and pleasure and suffering and agony and all this shit. So the guy, the bad boy cop, is like, "Hell priest, what's up?" Uh, so t- I'm get you, uh, tradesies, right? Like we're cool. I got two adulterers here. Take them. And the hell priest is like, <laughs> and the elder is like. <laughs> But nah, in a German accent. No, nah, this shit don't work like that. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we'll, sure. That's we'll cool. take them. We'll take them. That's cool. And then a, a wall opens up and some chains fly out. I was fine with this. I thought it was cool. It kind of showed that we're no longer on our plane of existence. We are now in their world. Right. Uh, and chains come out and hilariously drag the two, the wife and the younger cop away um, to a, a lifetime of suffering and hell. <laughs> And then, uh, uh, bad boy cops like, but, 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 and then chains come out and uh, pull his arms apart. Right. And uh, Penhead's like, oh, dude, your <laughs> shit is legendary. <laughs> like this is gonna be good. Like you're, oh man, like kind of like I fucking respect you, bro. Right. Mad props. Like this is gonna suck for you, but like fuck yeah, man. What good job, well done. And then, <laughs> and then our angel comes back into play. I can't remember the angel's name. Gilgamesh. Sure. Um, she comes back in and she's like, "Dude, I said let him go." The fuck. And he's like, "I don't care what you say." And she's like, "Bro, don't test me. You know who I work for, right?" 
and Pinhead and the entire audience uh, goes, yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> so um, Pinhead's like, I want to. Yeah. And she's like, there's shit already in motion with him. Mm. Turns out, like, I was very worried for a bit with all the scripture slinging in this movie that it was going to be like a Christian undertone situation. Like Kirk Cameron was going to pop up at (laughs) some point. Yeah, maybe not that bad, but, like, I've watched, I can't remember any of the titles, unfortunately, but I've watched, I've gotten fooled into watching a couple of Christian (laughs) propaganda horror films. Kirk Cameron is pinhead. (laughs) So. Yeah, I like Bible Man as much as the next guy. (laughs) Yeah. But then we find out heaven's corrupt as fuck. What? Because she's like, look, uh, uh, Jehovah is like, um, it's cool what this guy's doing. And yeah. Gotta have like, evil in the world Penn's for like, good. What? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, but so he took, he's killed so many people. And she's like, yeah, well, it happens. Collateral damage. Right. You know? And you're like, oh, shit, heaven is fucked up. And, uh, but Pinhead I th- it has worked out already what's going to happen. Right. Even if he lets this guy go. So he's like, uh, yeah, all right, fuck it. I'll let it go. He's fine. Fine. I'll let him go. Yeah. And uh, in what order does this happen? He does let him go. Right. And then he's back in the real world. Right. And, yeah, he stands up. Right. He's like, I'm back. He's like, I did it. And yeah. then a uh, female cop is, ha- isn't dead. And right. she shoots him. A lot. A lot. She shoots him and he falls down. Right. And then she stands over him and shoots him a lot. Right. Um, with no CG involved with the shooting. Blanks aren't expensive, guys. Uh, so she, but she shoots, she shoots him. Okay. She shoots him and he falls. And she straddles his body. And we see his face and like, you know, like a shot from her perspective. Right. And then she unloads like eight more rounds on him. And then we see the shot of, from her perspective again. And he looks exactly the same. Yeah. There should be a lot more bullet holes going into him at this point. Yeah. Nitpicking? I know. But guys, come on. What do you want? You want me to lie to you? Again, we're going to go over the pros. It's going to take far less than the hour eight we've done so far oh, of the cons. Uh, so then we cut back to... Um, Hellraiser Town, uh, Cinnabite Berg, and Pinhead's like, <laughs> got you, bitch. And she's like, not cool, dude, yeah. not cool. You fucking knew that was going to happen. Yeah. And then Pinhead's like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of this shit. I don't like your tone. So her arms get pulled apart by uh, chains. Yeah. And then. Oh, man, I love, I love this so much. <laughs> The rest of the scene is so good. And then a hell priest begins pulling pens out of his head, uh-huh. which they show, and it looks like they're barely in. Right. <laughs> he's kind of just plucking them off. Yeah. And then he's, he, he from what I recall, he had a pretty decent monologue while he's doing sure. this. Sure, yeah. Uh, but he's like just one by one shoving pens into this bitch's forehead. <laughs> and... Uh, She's like, do you know who I am? And he's like, 
blah 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 <laughs> babble babble bitch bitch rebel rebel party party sex 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 don't forget the violence don't forget it so uh yeah i don't even want to talk about this part uh I, i wasn't angry at this movie until this point like i was like this movie is bad and it's disappointing what was meant to be this is what i'm saying man i think gary j tunnicliffe does not understand how things work this in his head i'm sure was an homage yeah but it wasn't nope it was the same fucking thing. Okay, the end of the first Hellraiser. Uh, face being pulled apart. Yeah. God wept. wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Yeah. Pulled apart. Uh-huh. That's I, what happens with this angel. Bird. Iconic scene. Iconic, yeah. Effective, amazing. Not so much this time. I mean, it was an exact duplicate yeah. of the scene. I was like earlier on when the Cenobites appeared in the uh, basement mm. or in the, uh, you know, right warehouse. It was cool to see the fucking uh, monolith back. Yeah. That was cool. Like was spitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what that's called. I'm a terrible fan. Mm. So, yeah, just filled with anger at this point. Yeah. And and yes, I'm the guy that defends House of a Thousand Corpses as <laughs> homage. Right. Because it is. Right. If in House of a Thousand Corpses, Otis had... If they had recreated an entire scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with the exact dialogue with Otis... Right. I would be angry. Right. This is what they did in Hellraiser Judgment. Yep. And it looked a hundred times worse and came across as petty and trite and awful. Pandering. Pandering in a big way. And uh, it only gets worse from there. There's not much left. Boy, howdy does it. So she's gone and Pinhead's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Right? And the otter's like, uh, dude, you know she's the one that cast out Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. And uh, Pinhead's like, yeah, I ain't. What? So? I ain't scared. <clears throat> and the auditor goes, uh, what if something worse happens, like uh, banishment? Hmm. Like, what if we have to become mortal again? And then in some terrible 90s God damn it. Uh, clipping, God uh, damn it. like edit, clip editing, we're shown a wide shot of like five homeless people who are are the auditor, the I'm assuming everybody that we got to know. Right. But in human homeless form, including Pinhead. Right. And uh, we get a terrible fade-in close-up of Pinhead's now human face. No! And him becoming Darth Vader. No! (laughs) Uh, And it is awful. And that's the end of the film. Uh, 
after the end of the film, which you're already angry about, <laughs> a PS that makes no sense whatsoever happens. Totally unnecessary. Um, so, so, so everyone's been turned back, and uh, the the Cenobites have been turned human, except uh, in the PS, uh, two Mormons in Germany. What is happening? Um, go up to a door. And they're like, hey, let's talk. And the guy, it's the auditor. And he makes a terrible, stupid joke. Two. It's not even Tuesday. Back to the credits. What? There needs to be way more. For a guy who fucking showed us everything, like, before it happened... This is a hell of a bridge to have left out of this fucking movie. God damn it. What did you take from that? Nothing. I mean... I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, we, we, we watched the movie once. We did no pausing or anything like that. Right. So, like, I didn't pause to see if everyone in that homeless scene, like, was the auditor there i just assumed that all of them got changed I th- back i think it was just pinhead because he was the one who made the decision to destroy oh, okay. the angel but they should have just had a shot of him without anyone around him that because that leads me to believe right because i think there were like two chicks and i was like oh well, those are the two gymnastic right. cenobites um i don't know i'm at a loss i don't uh i don't know what yeah. what to take from that um I don't want a sequel to no. this, um, but if there were to be one, I would like to. Uh, man, that's been happening in all show, hasn't? <laughs> um, and that's what happened: is that Pinhead got reverted back to human. Yeah. So now they have to fill that position. I mean, if you have to make a second one, let's give Chenard a shot. Yeah, sure. If it has to be done. Yeah. Um, but let's yeah. let's not do it. No. So that was Hellraiser Judgment. Yeah. It was better than Hellraiser Revelations. Sure. Yep. I mean... Stepping in dog shit is better than having a root canal, but, you know. Um, pros. The pre-opening credit sequence... Solid. ...is very solid. And, yeah. and got me excited for what, what was going to happen. Yep. Uh, the Auditor, cool new character. Um... That whole chain of command, I thought, was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even you know, character. I mean, like the assessor, mm-hmm. a guy that eats your sins and then regurgitates them for the jury to. I mean, that's clever. Yeah, and in keeping with what I would think would happen in that mythology if yeah. that happened, um, the idea of having to uh, having the Cenobites have to exist in a world where the Lamet configuration doesn't really matter. Yeah. Anymore. A very clever. It's a cool setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think the biggest flaw of this film is the acting and the telegraphing of scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I will say the directing was not good. No. Um, like shot structure wise, stuff like that. There were yeah. a lot of shots that started uh, out of focus. Yeah. And not in like an artsy way. Right. Like, just like in a, oh, well, it's fine. Yeah. Kind of way. Uh, Pinhead was fine. But yeah. I did a good job. Um, I am super bummed that, like, it's bittersweet because on the one hand, I'm like, oh, my favorite Cenobite is back. And on the other hand, I'm like, wow, my favorite Cenobite looks like shit in this movie. Yeah. I, um, being a completist, I was going to buy this movie no matter what. I'm not proud of it. But, but not, you own the Wishmaster collection. Exactly. So. Um, but I will say I don't see myself rewatching this anytime soon. No. Or later. Nope. Me neither. It's going to be just one of those movies that I have to have to fill a gap in a franchise. Right. Um, anything else? I don't know. I wouldn't recommend buying it. Um, I feel like I can be a, a, a trusted opinion just because I am such a big fan of the franchise and, and the source material. But mm-hmm. unless you're like Richie and our completist, um, don't bother buying it. I mean, it'll be on Netflix in a month. Uh, watch it if you must. There are some cool point parts to it, but... Overall, it's just not good. I would say definitely buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Buy a few copies. Give some to your friends. Now, I would equate this uh, very very similar to my feelings on uh, Texas Chainsaw the Next Generation. Mm. Um, I think, honestly, Chainsaw is a little better. Mm. Um, But, yeah, in the the whole, like, good, uh, there are good things about it but overall it's terrible um yeah like the big one in that was that they they gave you a mythology and a reason for the family existing yeah that was very interesting and very conspiracy theory driven and very cool but at the same time it kind of didn't work like the whole thing that works about the sawyer family is that you don't know and there's not this crazy like reasoning yeah but the fact that Kim Hinkle like was brave enough to go there, yeah, and be like, "Hey, man, here it is." Like, I kind of respect that. There's there are those moments in Hellraiser Judgment for me, yeah, of, like fleeting moments of respect <laughs> that are quickly uh, shut down by terrible, terrible writing and uh, acting. Has anyone seen her talk? I bet it's in her tummy. All have been them tum-tums. Um, would you say it's worth watching, even for the casual fan? <sighs> hmm. Yeah, but I'm not happy about it. 
think that's about as good as I'm going to get on that. What about you? Um. Yeah, I think because as horror geeks, we are uh, we are um, by nature. Uh, very uh, opinionated and uh, much like Revelations I didn't I don't think it's fair to talk good or bad about a a film especially in an important franchise like Hellraiser right uh, without watching it without um, getting through it sure so I think if, if you're going to talk shit at a con or you're going to defend it or something around your horror friends, you need to have your shit together. Right. You can't just judge it on Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that. So uh, I would say if you think this movie is going to come up in conversation, <laughs> um, definitely watch it so you can give your opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry we had to do another one like this. Yeah. Well, these days we get a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next week we're back to normal. Uh, thank God, finally. <laughs> it's been a long time, so um, look forward to that. Uh, thanks for coming on this journey with us. I'm, I'm sorry that you came on this journey with us, uh, but hopefully you got a couple chuckles out of it. And uh, come back next week for episode something. Uh, mm, we're in the 50s, I think. Yeah, I want to say it's 54, 55. All right, come back for episode 55 next week. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. And uh, be sure to, any questions, comments, or anything you want to hear us talk about, email us at webelongdeadpod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at webelongdeadpod. Uh, on Instagram, I am Lono Mojo. Uh, Ian is IMM1987. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, join our Facebook uh, page mm-hmm. for updates and cool stuff like that. And uh, until episode 55, let's just... Uh, Remember all week to raise a glass uh, to uh, the old world of gods and Cenobites.